This is How Have You Not Seen, a movie podcast where we fill in the gaps in each other's cinematic knowledge by asking important questions like, okay, you've seriously never watched When Harry Met Sally, or you've seriously haven't seen Palm Springs, or how have you not seen In the Mood for Love? Welcome back, everyone, to How Have You Not Seen and the end of Love Month. I am your starry-eyed co-host, Carson Pets. And I am your co-host who uh, has put too much time into her career to really look up and notice love <laughs> until today, <laughs> Caroline Thompson. Caroline, did you just take off your glasses and let your hair down? I really did. And wow. you know what? Um, I'm, I am I am a better person for it. Oh, wow. Wow. What a meet cute. Uh, <laughs> this is a movie podcast where and every week one of us brings one of our favorite films the other one hasn't seen. We talk about it. And we go and watch the movie. And then we talk about it some more. Oh, yes, we do. It's going to be uh, not a, I mean, it's going to be a lovely haunting time. Uh, this, is, this is a weird note to end Love Month out on. Because I feel like this is the least uplifting of the films, but whatever. Let's just get into it. Caroline, how have you not seen In the Mood for Love? Several answers. Mm. The reason I've not seen it has evolved a little bit. So at first, um, you know, being an American, it was uh, not really a film that was super on my radar for years because I, Mm. you know, a lot of great English language, a lot of great American films I hadn't seen. So I certainly was, you know, this one wasn't really being one that was being shoved in my face a whole lot. And then as I got older and more worldly and started watching, you know, more diverse films, um, this one's actually been on my list for a while. So much so that before we planned this season, I actually like, you know, because this isn't a movie that you can kind of just go to Target and pick up. (laughs) Um, I'm sure you could like buy it on Amazon digitally or something, uh, around probably September or October of last year, my mother, who is a beautiful woman already began bugging me about what I wanted for Christmas. And so I put together a little list of criterion collection Blu-rays that I wanted Mm. this one being one, because, you know, um, I didn't really know how else I was going to get to see this film, without giving Bezos money. Um, So I put this film on the list and then we set the season um, probably in like November and then come Christmas morning, this is one of the two criterion Blu-rays my mother got me. And so it's been sitting on my shelf for the last like month and a half with me just staring at it. I'm just being like, I'm going to watch you so soon. I just cannot watch you until after Carson. I have talked about you a little bit. Hell yeah. yeah. So, so the last like six or so weeks, uh, it has been through great pains that I have not seen this movie. You've had a real requited love for this Criterion Blu-ray. Yeah. Well, wouldn't that be unrequited love? Or unrequited love. Yeah. Sorry. I wish this movie loved me back. I wish this (laughs) Blu-ray noticed me. (laughs) 
I wish any of my Blu-rays noticed me, but they just sit there with each other. <laughs> oh. That is the strangest thing you have ever said on this podcast. Carson's <laughs> had a hard month having to play on the top of all four shows. That's I true, have. I've had. I've had a hard month. It's, and Hey, and doing it all single, not easy. Let me tell you. Um, let me tell Hey, I'll tell you. So this is, I think this season, the movie that I am the most excited to rewatch. Um, because my viewing experience of it the first time was like not great because it was uh, last year uh, my last girlfriend and I had just broken up and I was like I just need something about love I just need something like and I was uh, too drunk and <laughs> watched this movie <laughs> and I'm I think I fell asleep before the last 10 minutes so, like, this is the one that I the most need to, like, I am so excited to rewatch because I know that I did not give it the attention it deserved the Fair first enough. time I saw it. Fair um, it was a beautiful film that I know for a fact that I did not really absorb all of. Uh, so, Caroline, what do you know about this, about this movie? I don't know too much. I know it's uh, directed by Wong Kar Wai. Correct, yeah. Um, is Tony Lung the the, yes. the, lead, the leading man yes. in this film? Shang-Chi's dad, yes. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, that's really it. Um, I mean, I obviously know it is. Um, and I am not well-cultured and well-versed enough to really know the distinctions between everything but this is a is this a hong kong film yeah this is a co-production of a uh, hong kong and uh some french production studios it is primarily in cantonese great yeah because i know there is the 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 political the political like uh nuances of you know east asia like like anywhere in the world there's a lot of weird things that govern strange things and make very weird laws and stuff. But I know that there is like that, like films produced in and by people in Hong Kong are their own thing somehow. A little bit different than the rest of China, different than Taiwan, obviously. Exactly. So um, I should probably look into the nuances of that uh, Mm. between now and coming back but like this podcast is a learning experience for us every single week yes yes but uh so yeah so I I I know that much I mean the sense I get is that this one is kind of um I've heard that it's beautiful I've heard that it makes many 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 people cry Mm. uh I believe that it is a bit like sadder like it's kind of like a it's a little bit of it's a little bit more melancholy with its uh, depictions of like love and romance, mm. certainly than the pre the three previous films we've watched this month. But uh, yeah, otherwise, I I really don't know too much about it. In okay. doing some promotional stuff, like finding images for this season, I googled you know a few uh, a few uh, like a few of the movies we watched just to pull some some stock images from them and. Uh, the one, all the ones I saw from this movie that were screen grabs were uh, very beautiful. They yeah. looked, they looked great. But it's uh, a gorgeous film, absolutely. But yeah, well, there, it was mostly, it was mostly Tony Lung, and I, I, I do not know the the woman that he Maggie, is. Maggie Maggie Chung. 
yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, but uh, most of the photos I saw was 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 the two of them standing in the same room, presumably having a conversation. And uh, beyond that, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. Fantastic. All right. Well, if that's all you know, and it is fantastic. Let's let's move in to our game for the week. We're going to be playing uh, maybe my favorite game. Uh, called the Untitled Letterboxed Game. Oh, God. In which uh, I have gone on to the uh, movie-based social media app Letterboxd, which, uh, quick plug, go follow both our show Letterboxd and also our three individual Letterboxd for Carson Betts, Caroline Thompson, and, uh, and Corey Reagan, uh, if you're feeling it. And I have found three half-star reviews for three different films. One of those films is In the Mood for Love. I'm going to read the reviews, and based upon the reviews, Caroline is going to have to guess which review corresponds to the movie we're talking about this week. She gets bonus points if she can guess the two films that go to the other two reviews as well. Caroline, are you ready? Sure. Let's do it. Hell yeah. All right. First review, watched June 6th, 2021, half star. I truly don't get why this movie is as praised as it is. All walking and talking doesn't seem to go anywhere. Okay. Half Star, reviewed September 29th, 2021. I've outgrown this. Oh, wow. Okay. Isn't that a good review? Watched July 14th. 2021 half star if she was gay maybe she would have been happier (laughs) i love that um i'm gonna say the third one is this film if she was gay she would have been happier yes do you have a guess as to what the other two are i think the first one's one of the before trilogy is that correct do you have a guess for the other one is it when harry met sally all right. So Caroline, this is fun. You got all the movies, but you got each one. You you goofed which one goes to which, which was really? the trap I laid. The ent- I knew that this would work. <laughs> I knew it. Damn. The first one, the I truly don't get why this movie is as praised as is a walking and talking. That is when Harry met Sally. I've, I've outgrown this is in the mood for love. And then if she was gay, maybe she would have been happier is before midnight. To that individual, I'd like to say, uh, go watch a little film called But I'm a Cheerleader, is what I would say. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. so you you got all the, all the movies. You just, uh, you put them in the wrong cup. Damn. Yeah. So, Damn. That's got to be the first time that's ever happened. Oh, yeah. Producer point of clarification, because we mm. said we wanted to score every game this, this season, and this is the that first true. week this has... I uh, come up does Carson get a point because he tricked you and you didn't get the you didn't get the film oh do we want to turn letterboxd into a competition I mean yeah let's do it let's I thought do that's it. what you said last season. okay okay I think I get let's one point it. one point I'll take my one one point Fuck for you. but also also that's that's probably good because we are a month now into the season and Carson has had zero <laughs> chances at yeah, getting no. a single point. So exactly. we can give him a point for this. Yeah. Well, he, he got one last week for Laura Dern. So Carson's currently mm-hmm. up 2-0. Fuck. 
Damn. You, you'll probably get a point for recasting, I'm assuming, uh, for yeah. when Harry met Sally. But yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Take your drink. We record these out of order. Yeah, yeah, there it is. Oh, welcome All right. back. Welcome back. <laughs> welcome back. Are y'all uh, ready to watch the movie? I am. Yeah, let's do it. Oh, yeah, let's do it. Gonna boot up that Criterion Blue. Finally. We're back. We are back. Back from 1960s British-controlled Hong Kong. Caroline. Yes. Were you in the mood? For love? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) are you asking if I liked the film? Yes. Okay, (laughs) then yes, I was in the mood. Okay, good. I was in the mood for more love when I sat down to watch this movie than this film ended up giving me. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> yes, that is, um, uh, you know, I talked about it in the first half, but given it was the first time I watched this and I really did not give it the respect it deserved. Um, and it in turn said, you're not going to get what you want out of this movie. Yes. But yeah, yeah. The So so yeah, to revisit what I talked about the first, my, my initial uh, watch of this is the thing I realized is, no, I watched all the way to the end. The end is just so fucking bleak. And abrupt. Yeah, and abrupt that I I think that my brain, for the sake of maintaining my my sanity at the time, just kind of like erased it from my memory. No, definitely. I mean, I was stunned because I didn't know much about the film Mm -hmm. going in. Um, I was stunned to see uh like when it when it just said the end, because you Mm -hmm. know, it was doing like it goes throughout it, it has kind of like the the um you know, like the the screens of text with like, you know, relevant quotes um, throughout the film. And when it just cut to the end, I was like, wait, what? I was like, I was like, there's, there's another act to this thing. Like they're supposed to find each other. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, as soon as he, well, as soon as she misses going to the Philippines, like as soon as she shows up late to the apartment and it's just that very, very brief scene once we got that, I went, oh, shit, no, I know what happens in the end of this movie. I was like, I remember now. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, like, I was... <laughs> And that's when my heart really started. Well, okay. Do you, do you have, like, a quick review? What's your, what's your initial take coming out of In the Mood for Love? I mean, this is one of those films that, like... Yeah. My whole take on this is just like, what the fuck do you want my opinion for? Yes, like, yes. come on. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like, I don't know. There's there's this thing that like, there's this thing I experience when I watch like really just like foundational films, mm-hmm. like films that are like, just like really like era or genre or like whatever defining that are just like kind of considered these like singular masterpieces where it's just like, I watch them and I'm just like, uh-huh. Like, yep. I mean, because it's one of those things where it's like the last one I can think of, the last, the most recent one is a few months ago, I watched um, like Clea from nine to five mm-hmm. uh, pretty uh, for the first time, which was probably about like three or four months ago at this point. And it was one of those things where it's like, I sat there after the film and was like, what is my take on this film other than it's a masterpiece? And I just yeah. kind of sat there and was like, 
Yep. And I didn't even rate it. Like I didn't even give it the five stars on Letterboxd. I just mm-hmm. like rated it as watch, hit it as liked. And like, I think my text was just like, glad I've seen this mm-hmm. because it's just one of those things where it's just like, I don't know, like, what do you want me to say? It is, I, I finished, you know, rewatching this last night and my roommate, I was in the midst of watching another film uh, for this podcast that we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks, but uh, I'm in the middle of that. And then my roommate comes back from work and I was like, yeah, I, I'm, I, part of me is like a little worried about the podcast tomorrow. And she was like, why? And I'm like, cause I just finished in the mood for love and I kind of have nothing to say about it. And she's like, what do you mean you have nothing to say about it? It's incredible. And I'm like, I know. And that's the beginning and the end. Like I'm not Pauline right. Kale. Like I don't have the. Right. And I'm this is like nearly smart enough to like accurately give this film the respect it deserves no exactly and that's the thing is it's like is it's like we talk a lot about like the spider-verse slash matrix problem yes. where it's just like you know a film blows your mind in such like uh in like such a singular way that you're just like well i can like talk for hours about like what i got out of it but it's just like with this like this is like a cut above you know this yeah, is like this yeah. is like beyond that i think we just have to start calling this the wong kar Wai problem yes where yes, uh perhaps. it's just like it's not even that like oh it is a film that is so good it's just like it is a masterpiece and it is yeah. like it is like a like it is a yeah just a foundational piece of the medium yeah that is... um i mean but like overall like the thing it's it's fucking beautiful oh god it's so pretty. it's like i knew i obviously knew that it wasn't like a comedy or anything like mm-hmm. that but like you know the film is called in the mood for love i was expecting mm-hmm. there to be you know at least like a resolved ending Um, and it's just like, it's such like a beautifully lonely film. It is. It's, Um, oh, it's so sparse. Yeah. Both in terms of its, both in terms of like the cinematography, like the, the very specific choices to kind of box all the characters in all the time. Like you're always seeing them like in corners or on the edge of something or like within three different door frames, you know, like everyone is so boxed in like yes. between that and also just how sparse the actual narrative plot is and yes. how intentional every single scene feels, how short it is and how to the point everything is. Yes. It is just, it is the least, like I would never want to watch this movie with a romantic partner. This is like, it, I. it's a very weird ending to Love Month because the other three films we've talked about are all like great like yes watch this with your significant other like you know that these are great this one no desire i it is the least romantic romance right well no but that's the thing that's the thing that um i was thinking about last night is like this is very like capital r romantic yeah like everything is very like imbued with emotion Mm -hmm. and it's very much about the like the you know, the emotional resonance of like what is going on is very important to not just like the characters on the screen, but like how the film like works, like how mm-hmm. it's shot. And like, it is very much about instilling like a, like a very intense emotion into you, but it is very not like, like romantic in that, like it is a film about people falling in love and having love. Yeah, and, and it warms um, your heart and makes you feel nice because it's right. not. And and it is very, 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 I mean, 
you hit on it so well with your your talk about like how it's shot in that like it is simultaneously a film that is so claustrophobic in terms of like how close you are to everything and how close everything feels to one another while still never never ever 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 having like a shot where like the two characters who are feet apart are both like are both looking at each other where they can see each other and like framed in a way where we can see them yeah you know what i mean like yeah it's like you are it, it it creates this just like incredible like you know like this this incredible sense of like distance and space and like just like disorientation almost mm-hmm. in that like he shoots the actor so close up like he's very 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 um he's very purposeful about like showing you like how small some of these spaces are you know like these rooms are small yeah. like they're they're overcrowded with like with like their neighbors and like the people that they're living with and all of that stuff and he shows you how small the spaces are but he still somehow manages to like strand each character like seemingly like a world away from the other one mm-hmm. which just like yeah. that that disconnect is just like that 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 cognitive dissonance it like puts in you is just just astounding to watch and like creates that sense of loneliness in a way that just like I don't fucking know. It's like we talked about this with the before with the before movies, how it's like it would That's, be really I was just easy. thinking about that. Yeah. Yeah. Like it would be really easy to like, you know, uh, like to show them how lonely they are by like stranding them in these giant vistas and like having them like walk mm-hmm. around the city all by themselves for like an hour while like it's pouring down rain and like we're getting sad music about like look at how lonely and sad they are they could be making like sad faces and giving beleaguered sighs and all of this just like you know and, mm-hmm. and like pulling at their hair and doing all of this like I'm so lonely like overacting but like the fact that it's just like no like we are just never going to let you see this person like within like proximity to where they could like, you know, physically they could reach out and touch somebody, but like, we are going to just shoot yeah. them in a way where they are fully alone, even though they are so close to one another. And we're just going to watch as they kind of fail to do anything to change the situation over and over and over and over again. And like, that's loneliness, pal. And like, fuck, does it work? Yeah. Oh. Oh, it's, and it, it makes, because you are, because you're just given nothing, because you are so, and it, it is kind of like a, it, it borders almost on impressionistic, this film, I think, because it is so fully bought in on this movie is from the perspective of these two characters and every other character doesn't really matter. Like, I mean, it's, right. it's like the, it's kind of the most obvious choice in the world, but it is really powerful that like, you never see the faces of their of their significant others you never no, see yeah. the other husband and wife like like it, and just it's choices like that all over and over and over again that you just get drowned in these two people and then by the time you do get those little snippets of at the end the couple of times that they actually touch like them in the car and and she rests her head on his shoulder and they're in frame together or i we need to talk about the when she comes back and they're and she's crying with him in the rain like yeah. just the 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 amount of just the amount of emotion that fucking tony lung can communicate with just his fingers massaging her fucking 
uh, 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 shoulder. Like just the, the is is incredible. Like yeah. is 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 a real marvel to watch, and it works partially so well because you never get to see these two in frame together for the most part. Like it's a it's a very intentional thing that you really only see one of them a lot of the time, or they're separated in some way. They're looking in two separate directions. Exactly. They're, they're, it's like the few know, times and, they are in frame with yes. one another, he does the thing where you know like like they are facing one another but they're they're almost like shoulder to shoulder so they're not Mm -hmm. facing each other head on and one of them is always looking away it's like you know they're like they're like talking to each other and Mm -hmm. they're like oriented towards one another but like tony lung is like looking down yeah you know like she's looking at him and he's just like looking down kind of like thinking or she's she's laying in bed in the hotel and he's looking at the wall because he's writing but they're talking Yeah. yeah like it's Oh, it, uh, yeah, it, it's just, it's a movie that really leaves you speechless. And there are a couple of moments in it. I mean, specific, I don't know about you, but it's also, I always, I always, okay. So there, there, it, this happens sometimes with films. I always think of it in my mind with a recent example is um, it, it's the way I reacted to seeing Greta Gerwig's Little Women the first time I saw it, where like, because I had no previous knowledge of the book. I was not aware, you know, until after I saw it, the kind of very specific choices that she was making as a director to tell the story in a different way. So like, I was just going and watching it and just kind of like, okay, yep, story, okay. Yep. They're sisters, all right. Like, I was kind of like, okay, I don't really, this isn't grabbing me immediately. But then there came a point in the film where I'm not sure where it grabbed me, but it did. It's when Bob Odenkirk says, my little wife. Well, that is, that's when I stood up in the theater and started <laughs> jumping up and down and cheering. Yeah, go on, go on. But uh, no, but it's the, mo- I, I, I always think of the moment where, um, uh, oh, you're going to, ha- you know a lot more about Little Women than me. You're going to have to help me with characters. But uh, Chalamet, when he's yeah. at the debutante ball with Emma Watson and he's just a dick to her. And yeah. at one point I literally gasped uh, and I just, underneath my breath, I went, you son of a bitch. You s-. <laughs> and I'm like, and then I went, oh, wow, I'm really emotionally involved in this movie. And I'm not sure when it got me, but at some point right, it got me. Right. And in the mood for love, that is the, because it it almost, because it is so not lowercase or romantic and because it is so lonely and almost I, I, I don't know if sterile is the right word that's the one that's coming to my mind because it is I mean it's so packed and so colorful and so intentional but like right it, like I didn't realize how emotionally involved I am with these two characters until you get to they do the game for the last time they do the like we're pretending to be our Spouse's oh, I game. know, I know. And she when he leaves. like breaks up with her. Yes, he breaks, breaks up, up with her. her. He fake breaks up with yeah. her, but he's also kind of really breaking up with her. And they're coming to like understand that they're not going to see each other again. And she's gone. And then it cuts back to she's crying in his arms. And at that point, I am like, I'm like just kind of lying back. This is a, an audio medium, so you can't tell what I'm doing on the Zoom camera right now. But I'm just like sunk back in my futon like one tear coming from each eye just like whoa (laughs) like just kind of vibrating because it is so powerful you know and up until then I had not been you know I I was obviously I'm enjoying myself I'm marveling at like wow look at this thing like especially watching it the second time and having a better grasp of what is going to happen like I'm able to right right kind of more intentionally watch it but then yeah but then you just get to that scene and I'm like wow I am like I was so taken by this you know 
it's a it's a real wow that that scene in particular is really it's something it it gets you like a freight train no I know and that was the thing too is it's just like they they pull that trick twice where the first time um Mm. because it's like you know the entire film like you only see their um their spouses um like from behind or like obscured or like through from like you never see their faces like you never know what exactly they look like you know what um you know what Tony Lung's wife's haircut looks like yeah yeah she's got the Um, short hair yeah yeah she's got that little like like little bob thing um but it's like because she like is leaning down and you're seeing her from afar like the hair is like covering her face um and you only ever see her husband from behind that like like when they do that trick where it's like she's like do you have a mistress like tell me i was like oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god real turning point in the film yeah and it cuts back and it's and it's him it's mm-hmm. Tony Long. I'm like, I'm like, mm-hmm. wait. I was like, what's going on? I was like, wait, what is happening right now? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they he explains like, well, this is just a rehearsal. Like, mm-hmm. this is just a rehearsal. And you're just yeah. like, okay, I get it now because they kind of like, they kind of play acted earlier when they kind of like play acted. Like, what do you think like our our spouses do mm-hmm. when they're together? And it's just like, well, what is like, what is your husband order? I don't know. Like, what is your wife order? Like, this is what he would eat. Like, this is what she would eat. You know? Yeah. And like later when they, they do that rehearsal and then they pull the same trick again in that scene that you're talking about, where it's like, you see them like breaking up and he's just like, it's okay. It's like, it's okay. This is just a rehearsal. This mm-hmm. is just a rehearsal. Oh. And it is kind of that thing of like, kind of like you said, it's like, he's kind of doing it for real. He's kind of not. And it's kind of that thing of like, because we don't really get context. Is it like, is this him like, play acting like well this is what your husband's gonna say when you like confront him about this and, like after a while like you guys are gonna have to have this conversation or, like when they come home like we are gonna have to have this conversation or mm-hmm. like you know and it's just that thing of just like it's all so ambiguous and I think it's really interesting too that like the only time they really get emotional like mm-hmm. really like over the top like very upset with one another um, is when they are play acting mm-hmm. what they would say to another person. Yeah. And so it's like interesting to me. And I think I just have to sit with it a little bit longer before I can like really be like, oh, like this is what it's getting at. But like, I can't mm-hmm. help but notice that like throughout the film, like they are very composed. Like they're, they're sad. Like they're clearly like they're, they're quiet. They're sad. They're yeah. withdrawn. But like they're very composed. Yes, exactly. Very despondent. And the only time they like let themselves have these like big emotions is, or maybe not even, maybe not even let themselves is, is the right word, but the only time like those things do come up and the only time those things do bubble up to the surface is when they are quote unquote rehearsing Mm -hmm. Until the end, when she kind of realizes, like, oh shit, like he is gone for good. Like, I yeah, he's him. actually going to the Philippines. Yeah, it, just shaking my head, like, whoa, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and then like too, when she comes back, like it was so devastating to me when she comes back to the apartment where she used to live yeah. and was just like, oh, like, does anybody live next door? And she's like, oh yeah, I don't really know them. Like they moved out. Like, yeah. We we don't know where uh you know we don't know where uh Tony went and uh like 
the people who like were his, I guess, landlords, I don't know. I, the people who were renting him his room, like we don't know where they are either. So like, yeah, yeah there's just the new people over there. And when she's just like, fuck, like the trail is cold. Mm-hmm. Like they don't know how to find him. And the only person we know, the only person who has his number, we don't know where they are. So just like, it's gone. Like it's oh. gone cold. You're just like, like when she just looks out that window. Oh. And it's like, you know, it's such a, uh, it's such a, it's such a cliche where it's just like a character when very upset, like looks out the window and like mm-hmm. the wide world, you know, like wherever, like, like, oh, where could like the thing I'm longing for be like when the world is this big that I can see from my window, like it's such a cliche, but it's like, it fucking works. It fucking works like gangbusters in that scene. Uh, especially just given that the, I mean, the mise-en-scene of this thing is such that the world feels incredibly small. Like that is very, both in terms of, it is just a limited number of sets that they return to. And, and then also just the, the you know, the, the cinemagraphic choices that are being made that we talked about earlier that, you know, they are just, people are in corners, they are in crowded frames. They are in like, there's like two offices that you go to twice and then there's right. the hallway outside the apartment and the street next to the hallway. And that's kind of it until the end of the movie. And it 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 makes like the idea of a character looking out a window feel really incredibly important because you've gotten so little of the idea of there is an outside space to this. There's something going on outside of this tiny world. It's why the, you know, the ending of him going to Anchor Watt feels so he feels so unmoored. It, it feels almost like it is something that is happening outside of the film when he goes to, when he puts the secret in the wall. Like it gives right. it a, it gives it a mythic weight to what he is doing. To the fact that he talks about, yeah, in the olden days, people used to like bury their secrets in trees and then cover them with mud. And then him going to this totally new exotic location and actually seeing, and then you getting to see the hugeness of it all at once it, it makes it feel mythic. It makes it feel like now he's taking part in something that is not personal, but rather like it's something that it's like fucking biblical, you know, it's, it's yeah. just so huge. Um, I do. Okay. Did you do like, did you look at like the Wikipedia page or like see the, the kind of history of the production of this thing at all? Not much about the production. I just, I knew because of the way that like it changed geography and the way yeah. that they like made clear uh, like what years it was. I was like, I don't really know much about the history of like this era of like this mm-hmm. region. So like I did look a little bit up in terms of just like what that all meant. Um, but in terms of the actual production, no, I didn't really look into anything. It's it's fascinating. And I do think that me having read this now after seeing the film a couple of times even opened up another layer of like, oh, okay. Um, it, one, it took 15 months to shoot. <laughs> Yeah. Long fucking time. Yeah, long, long fucking time. For fucking not a time. long movie. For no, not a long movie. No. Um, one of the reasons for, I mean, the primary reason for this, I mean, the, all the actors said it was incredibly demanding. It was very demanding shoot, but also like really artistically vital. Uh, is that like Wong Kar Wai, one of his big things, and it's Christopher Doyle, the initial cinematographer, had to leave and go do another thing. And they replaced him midway through because he's like, look, I can't sit here for more than a year working on this movie. Because Wong Kar Wai wanted to capture such a specific 
like such a specific aesthetic of Hong Kong in the 1960s and he didn't want to use sets and he didn't want to change any existing locations. So it was like they would shoot. They just had to find places that had not been yeah. updated in 50 yes. years, yes. 40 Which years. Is like one of the reasons why there are so few sets. There are like so few locations in the main body of the film. Um, and also he just kept reshoot, like they kept changing the script. He kept shooting scenes in different places and then being like, I don't actually like it here. Let's change the script again and then go shoot it somewhere else. Oh my God. Like, and, and just that over and over and over again. So like by the time he was actually editing this thing, he was sending prints of the film to festivals, to other directors, to people he trusts to have them, have them look at it. And I mean, he just, and he just kept cutting and cutting and cutting and cutting. So in terms of like the amount of film that they shot and then what ended up in the actual body of the movie, it's like a, an eyes wide shut level of, of, you know, reduction down. And there are entire scenes that are missing from his original. I mean, in the script was kind of always amorphous and stuff, but there are entire scenes that are totally missing from the film that were in the script. There are characters and subplots that just didn't make it into the final film. And I think... It, to me, at least, knowing that, I'm like, ah, this is why, because this film, I think I said it before, it feels very lean and very intentional. And there is not a, a single moment that is not absolutely necessary for communicating what the film is trying to communicate. But also there is like, it's weird that Mrs. Swen feels like such a fully realized character when she's barely in the film or when um fucking what's his face, the bald guy that Tony Lung's- yeah friends yeah. with like like it feels like wow that guy's off living his own movie isn't it and it's like yeah because they cut out like three scenes of just stuff with him but he feel but because of that he feels really fully realized and every little bit of this movie feels vital and rich and like it did and does mean something in a way that just didn't quite make it into this specific story which I think to me really capitalizes on that feeling of loneliness that you were talking about of like, there is a big wide world out there, but we are so trapped in this one situation. Like, right. No, definitely. Yeah. I mean, definitely. And I don't know, it is just such a, it is just such a, a film that even before, like, it takes so long for you to like, really be like okay like mm -hmm. I'm here like I yeah. get it like I'm with it like but also from like the moment it was just like it was late at night and they're like you're going out late and she's just like I'm just going to get like to fetch some noodles and she has her little thermos and it's just like her mm -hmm. walking in the street by herself I'm just like it's it, it's that thing of like it's like cool like I am already on this wavelength yeah and then like it takes you another hour before you're just like you're like, okay, I've been on this wavelength for an hour and I'm now like locked in, but it's just, mm -hmm. it's like, I've been here. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like, yeah. I think that makes sense, but it is just yeah. that thing of like that, that like atmosphere is there from like minute three of the film, but it's mm -hmm. just like, you are kind of lost in it for so long. And then like, like you feel it, but you're not entirely sure what exactly it is you're feeling. And then mm -hmm. like kind of like an hour later, you just like, you just like lock in with like what the movie is doing. And oddly enough, that's when it begins to change. You know, yeah. that's when um, things begin to shift and they start having conversations about when they're going to move and all of that good stuff. But yeah, um, yeah. also I just have to say, um, I love the noodle thermos. Yeah. I, I, I love, I love that. Like, like for real, like I, 
I don't know, like I, we're, we're American and obviously, and like we live in America and mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure most of the Asian cuisine we get around here is very inauthentic and very not um, mm-hmm. amazing. But um, just like noodle soup is so Great. just is so fucking good and like i we make like really bad impressions of it all the time at home um but like it is just that thing of like i love the idea that just like they have the little restaurant just like mm-hmm. underneath their apartment building or like a block or two away and it's just like you know you just you walk there every day and you just get like the fresh food and it's just kind of like it's it is that like just another one of those details where like they have these frequent haunts, they have these places they go, they have these places that like make their home a home, but like it feels so disconnected from everything. Mm -hmm. Like it both feels so far away and also like, but you also just know you get that inherent sense. Like it's literally just like a two minute walk from their apartment. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I just love that idea of like, you know, every day you just walk to the little place just like right down, right down the block from you and you have the thermos just, just dedicated for noodles. Yeah, we need more reusable. I mean, this is, look, I work in a restaurant and this is anytime somebody talks about paper straws, I'm like, uh, fuck paper straws. One, hate them. They are the worst. Uh, No offense if anybody likes paper straws, but like, like the thing we need is reusable. Yeah, metal straws. Metal straws. And like the amount of, you know, fucking just, just materials we go through with just like carry out food containers. I'm like, just every city, every restaurant has the same type of carry out containers and everyone in the city has some of them. And when you go to a restaurant, you drop off your, like, I'm like, we could do this. This is the socialist utopia I want. Like, come on, let's get on it people. But yeah, it's not in the mood for love. That's my little rant. I go on like every other week. Um, yes. But the, uh, but like, yeah, it's, it's, I, I think also what you're saying, and it's something I like really keyed in on you know, kind of consciously watching it last night. It's, you know, just looking at what people have said about this film, it's not like an original thought to me, but like this film feels very voyeuristic. There is that that sort of critical distance you have from the characters, especially in the first half of the film. And oh, yeah, the thing that we've talked about a lot, you know, the the crowded frames and the, the multi, you know, you're just seeing people at odd angles through doors and through, um, you know, openings and walls. It It, it feels very much like you are watching these two characters from a distance and it it makes it feel a little dark and a little scary and a little grimy and also it communicates without really needing to spend any time like actually delving into it the idea that people are watching them and there are rumors being told about them like it, you understand by the time they get to the end where it's like we need to stop seeing each other because people are talking like people are going to know they're going to be rumors there's going to be a, a rumor mill that's going on talking about how we're seeing each other right and you don't need to like talk to mrs swenaba a bunch about like oh yeah these two married people are they seem to be getting into something you don't need a lot of that because that idea has already been communicated because you're watching these people in a voyeuristic manner. You're, you're seeing them do their like weird, dark, you know, uh, like games with each other where they're pretending to be their, their other, their spouses, you know? Yeah. And it's like along, alongside that, it is this really interesting thing too, that it's like, I don't know. I feel like, especially in a lot of like American studio films, it's like, how do we get people to like relate to these characters? It's like, well, what if we just like, what if we make everything so broad and so general? And it's just yeah. like, what if like the characters 
just experience the most basic emotions in the world. And what if they experience like the most like, just like, oh, like I saw a text message from my husband that says like, like to another woman. And that's how I found out she was cheating. And now that I found mm-hmm. out, or and now that I found out he was cheating, like now I am sad. You know what I mean? Like what mm-hmm. if it's just so broad and so general, but it is this thing of like having that distance makes it feel so much more real in that sense mm-hmm. of like, no, 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 no. Like this is not like, this is not happening to me. This is not like a, this is not like a, a big universal story where I am supposed to like, like map this one-to-one onto like my own experience or map this one-to-one onto something like we've all been through this exact thing. Right. But instead it's like, we are, we are viewing them from that distance. And because it is like, it is like, it is so specific, but you are then watching these people experience these extremely like organic, real emotions that are also like heightened and conveyed by the way that like the film is. Yeah constructed but also just that thing of like it is very specific and you are kind of like yes you are kind of like these characters are not existing for you to watch you know what I mean like they are Mm -hmm. not putting on a little play for you like they are like in real life they are but like yeah this isn't a a you know like a one-to-one analogy morality play that you're just supposed to like map things onto that just like it makes those things so much more devastating because you just see them reacting so like profoundly but so smallly and you're just like yep I've been there like I've like yeah. I've I've experienced that exactly like I haven't experienced these circumstances in any way shape yeah. or form but I have like had that emotion on my face and like that fucking hurts and like and, and it's these emotions that are kind of unnameable and indescribable like it is so I think you you were talking about like the ambiguity of so much of the film earlier and I think so much of that is due to these the two lead performances that like you do see a thing on Maggie Chung's face and you're like I can't name that but I know it like I I I don't know what that emotion is I can't it's it's kind of like it is a thing that sounds almost like an insult like how you know when you talk about actors a lot having you know having uh, master's degree in acting a uh, thing you talk about a lot humble is brag. Uh, yeah humble brag is uh is uh is clarity you know is, is the clarity of a performance how like you know how well you can without demonstrating your emotions how well you can get across what you are feeling and what it is you're trying to do to the audience and it, it's it I was thinking about that in relation to these two performances where I'm like so often the thing that I'm looking at on their faces I'm like I don't fucking know what that is like I, I don't I like there is I I am here for it like I am I am being really pulled along by it but like I can't put my finger on exactly what is going on in Tony Long's eyes right now right and it's it's I mean it's genius it's brilliant I mean it's not like these two performances haven't been fucking lauded as they should be but like yeah it's it is right. so much more human that you you can't exactly map yourself right. onto. Well, and it's and I mean it's just like I don't know it's and again this is not not only like a you know a American versus like you know foreign uh, like Hong Kong thing, but like yeah. it is that thing where it's like so much of American films like they like portray depression as kind of like this aberration 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where it's like, it's like, no, we're supposed to be all good all the time. So like mm-hmm. when we have characters who are depressed, like they are like fucking despondent and they are yeah. like, and like everything's raining and like they can't get out of bed and they just like always have mascara running down their face because they're crying all the time. When it's like, when it's like really what depression is, is just that like, I'm going to like wake up, I'm going to go to work and I'm going to get dinner and I'm just not really going to talk. And I'm just going to kind of like, I'm going to be polite and like palatable for everyone around me, but I'm just not going to like engage with anything. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, and it's like, just like, that's what this film really nails is it's just like, it's a very like, quote unquote, like high functioning depression. Yeah. That yeah. like, of course these characters would be going through when it's just like, when their fucking spouses are like cheating yeah. on them. Or cheating on, on them with each other. And it's very difficult for me to pinpoint even having watched it twice like I don't know that there's a point in this film where it's like ah and now they are in love you know like that's oh definitely this thing's getting at definitely like the the thing that it communicates that we've kind of we've talked around it a bit is that you know it's just that they them falling in love does not fix their situation it kind of makes it worse it's like ah I mean now I have all these feelings for this person and it is it's the what would people say like what how does this change my relationship with my spouse I mean especially for Maggie Chung just given that you know I do not know the exact uh you know social system of of like I don't know the exact like gender-based social system in 1960s Hong Kong I can guess that if it's anything like 1960s America in any way that the idea of a woman cheating on her husband uh, is not going to, like, people are not going to like the woman for that very much. Right. Um, so, like, th- they have this, like, very real, you know, the the kind of, um, the the social stigma that's there to get them anytime, you know. They, and, and, again, you don't need a scene of them talking about, like, well, if you left your husband for me, people would say X, Y, and Z. You don't need it. It's there. Right. It's communicated. In the, it's, it's part of the texture of the film. Um, yeah, it's, God, I mean, this thing is, it's brilliant. I'm glad we did it. I do feel like we're not, I do feel like I'm just not doing it justice. <laughs> well, that is I the mean, thing. I feel like, you know, I, I, look, this is when we're going to, this is when we are going to lean back on the premise of the show and just be like, look, like yes. this is, this is my first time watching it. And yes. uh, if, you're, if you're here for this show, if this is your first time watching it, hopefully you're experiencing something similar. I yeah. think it is a it yeah. is a work of art that is intricate and complex enough that like, I don't think anybody's really cracked this on their first go. I don't know if anybody's yeah. really cracked it since. Yeah. But like, yeah. it's just that thing of like, look, if you are, if you are listening to a first watch podcast about an incredibly mm-hmm. important, like, foundational masterwork and you're just like wow these fucking rubes didn't like didn't have my fucking dissertation like yeah right <laughs> like they don't have my dissertation notes after one viewing uh-huh. I mean I guess sorry about it but I mean yeah I uh and and I mean you were talking about like the the gender-based politics and it is that thing where it's like I think one thing that communicates it so effortlessly and something that like I, oh, I, I latched uh, onto I like 25 seconds about. into the film yep, 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 yep. when, when she's just like, okay. And like, I believe, I believe the third line of the film is like, my husband's name Same is Chan. Yeah. yeah. Like uh-huh. it, it's her, like she says something about how she wants the apartment. And then the, uh, the landlady like 
alludes to a fact that like, she's like, okay, well, like, I, I, I don't even remember what the line is, but she just goes, my husband's name is Chan. And then it's like, yeah. okay, cool. You can get the apartment. And it's like, I'm Mrs. Swen. Like, What's like, your name? My husband's name is Chan. Yeah. yeah. From like minute fucking like, or second, like 20 of the film, you're just already on that wavelength. Yeah. 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 I'm just like, okay, cool. Like, I don't know where this film is going. I don't know. Like, like what the story of this thing is going to be but like even like without consciously like thinking about it yeah. you're just like okay like this is an independent woman in a world where like an independent like spirited woman yeah um a girl boss one might say no um yeah sure <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. uh but yes this is this is a girl boss in a boy boss world <laughs> but yeah, yeah you know yeah her, um, her in, a world where, yeah. in a world where she has to be married to somebody in yeah. a world where like you know I I, I figured because you know she said my husband's name is Chan and mm-hmm. then I was like okay I was like my first thought is like I don't know if she's lying because I don't think we've even cut into the apartment at this time yeah. yet I think we might mm-hmm. still be viewing the exterior shot at this moment but it's like I don't know if she's lying but like I get it like I'm there and then it's like when when we find out that like Tony Long is also married Mm-hmm. for like two seconds just because I knew they were the lead I was like I was like is this a weird thing where like they're not actually married so they can't live together so they rent apartments right next door to each other and then like they introduce themselves to one another I'm like oh no okay so this is a story about how two married people fall in love with one another and yeah. it is but it's not the two married people I thought nope, it was gonna be no nope. uh, yeah which I think it's... is like such a great twist like because like you you get that first like 10 minutes and I'm just like, okay, like it's a very lonely film, very kind of like sad spirited film. They're gonna meet mm-hmm. each other and then like they're gonna like like form this relationship. And then they just start talking about like, like there's just that moment when it's just like, like, oh, where's your husband? And it's like, oh, like he's out of town. Like, I haven't seen your wife. Like, where is she? And I just go, oh Working no. Late. Yeah. Was like, oh no. I was like, oh no. <laughs> like, two of these, two of these married people did fall in love, but it was mm-hmm. not the two I was thinking it was going to be. It's the brilliant circuitous way that I've already talked about it. Just the the way this film chooses to to communicate important plot details and important information about its characters. That just the the scene in the restaurant where it 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 is one of the I think if I had to look at it, it's probably one of the longer scenes in the film. The scenes in this movie are not that long, generally speaking. It's little little snippy snippets. No, and it and it's um, also hard as well to like define a scene because mm-hmm. it because it will frequently like be in the same location and just jump 20 minutes. Yep, 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 yep. And yep. so it's just like, it's just like, okay, I know that this is later, but like, you know, was that just to denote the passage of time? Like, are we supposed to kind of like separate these two moments? Like, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, but the, like one of the longer scene, maybe the longest scene in the movie is the their first scene in the restaurant where they have the entire conversation and you do kind of wonder, you're like, is this like, they're going to talk about these things and then they kind of fall in love. They start to like, there's a, like a glance, like a knowing glance and they look at each other and this is the beginning of their love story, but it's not. And, it, and again, especially watching it the second time, I was like, oh man, I know where this is going and it sucks. Um, but the, the, that they have the whole conversation about, oh, your handbag, it's, it's, it's nice. And they're both, it's the beginning of them playing the spouse game really, because they're both playing a game with each other, but neither of them will admit it until the end of the, right. right. Uh, my wife has that bag. Let's find out where she got that bag. My husband has that tie. Let's find out where he got that tie. And they're, va- they're doing the thing they do a lot where they're veiling, you know, what they're actually trying to ask in decorum and in, uh, you know, politeness. And then by the end, when she finally admits my husband has that tie, it's, 
you it's just it's like oh shit like it blows your mind right and I mean it's a thing too that just like it's so difficult to pull off but like really communicates things that are so important is that like so much in like screenwriting and acting and like all of that stuff like when you're telling stories like a quote-unquote rule is like characters can't learn anything off stage yeah you know what i mean it's like it's like it's like if your character like has to learn a bit of information over the play like deliver it to them on stage so we can see their reaction like Mm -hmm. gaining new knowledge like learning these things is like what is quote-unquote important to stories and so it is that excellent thing where it's like we as the audience don't know that they know that their spouses are cheating but it's just like that thing of like of just like that knowledge that like they are actually like so much more alone in this world like that is the normal like that is the thing that they are living with Mm -hmm. and it's like and it's like the important thing to the story is not that they find out that their spouses are cheating but kind of that they admit it yeah that they admit it to somebody else and then they start Mm -hmm. having to live with that like they can it's it's not like you know they're not living with it as a circumstance they are living with it as like a reality that they are having to experience and disclose and like like they're not they're not denying it they're not trying to get through life despite it Mm -hmm. they are now trying to get through life from you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and move on from yeah. here. So it's a very expert, like little thing because it would be so much, be so much easier and so much cornier for them to put it together. It's like, oh my gosh, like that's a nice handbag. Like my wife has one just like it. Oh my God. Like that's like, that's yeah. such a nice time. And it's like, well, where did, where did you get it? Where do you go? Oh my God. They're cheating on one another. But just that yeah. thing of like, of like, they both knew going into yeah. it, what they, they what they yes. wanted. And it was just like, I forget, I forget which one says it, but like one of them, I think Tony Lung is like, mm-hmm. I think you're like, husband is seeing my wife and then i believe she's the one who says i thought i was the only one who knew yeah mm-hmm. and yep. it's just like fuck yeah. like yep it's there it's just great they, oh. it's just great it's really good uh we gotta yeah we gotta stop the episode we're we're hitting our time here but it is it's the it's the wong car you know it's the evolution of the fucking spider-verse matrix problem it's the wong car y problem it's the it's the citizen kane problem it's the reason why my letterbox review for citizen kane is like hey surprise surprise citizen kane pretty good movie yeah. like like what do you even say about it it's it's great it's fucking masterpiece. just like just like the review is like yep yeah uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> like looks at looks at like the critical like the 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 consensus of critical discourse for the last 80 years looks back at camera yeah, I mean, I ain't got nothing more to add on to it. Um, but yeah, it's it's a fucking, it's a brilliant film. I'm glad that we talked about it. Do you have Me any fucking too. final final thoughts, Caroline? Um, my final thought is just, it needs must be remarked that mm. um, all of her costumes are beautiful. They are very cool. I want literally all of them. I like his beautiful. I And I do like his ties. I like all the focus on ties. They're like the cool, like 1960s skinny ties right into that very well cool. and that's the thing too that it's just like you know like the menswear of the era is very much just like like suits from the west you yes, know it's, it's very suits. much just like suits and ties um mm-hmm. and like and like collared shirts imported from the west and like they are much more fashionable with them like he's got the fucking suspenders and the fucking like mm, i'm not sure if it's look. a wallet or a pocket watch because like yeah. you never see him take it out but he's got the chain going from his belt mm-hmm. loop to his back pocket and you're like wow that's yeah. a fucking smart outfit that's but like look. 
very like westernized where like her outfits are this like amazing and again I'm not a fashion expert I'm not a costuming expert but like from the lay the lay person's perspective they are these amazing beautiful kind of blends of like Mm -hmm. western 60s like secretary dresses with like more traditional Chinese like um like apparel and just like the the fusion of those two things is fucking beautiful I want all of them I know I would look insane if I wore any of them out (laughs) you would get canceled but uh, I don't even know if I would get canceled because it it doesn't I don't know like to me it doesn't it doesn't seem like like hyper traditionalist like I'm appropriating anything it just it it feels like a like just like a a a statement of fashion that I could just in no way shape or form pull off here's the thing there is a way to to do it which I think is actually way more uh, which is a, a much worse form of appropriation but also nobody would would like get on you for it which is you do your hair in the space buns and you put chopsticks in it and then everybody's just like ah fucking anime nerd okay whatever <laughs> like they yeah. like their complaint is going to be god what a weirdo not like oh that's a little tacky that you would do that right. with another culture like it's <laughs> uh all right well great great movie good flip. wonderful movie uh so producer Corey, would you like to uh tell the fine folks at home if they like this episode where they could find us online Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Pod. And a very special thank you to our patrons. If you'd like a shout out on the show and bonus content, please head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Pod. We have multiple levels, all with their own perks, ranging from $1 to $25 a month. As I said, if you are interested in hearing more, please visit patreon.com slash Pod. Great. Thank you so much. And, and that then next is, uh, week. Yeah. Next week, we've got a fucking treat, I believe. We do. We do. You yeah. know, love month is over, but that doesn't mean... But we're not going to stop. We're, we're not going to fucking stop. We're not going to stop talking about romance. And so this is this is great. This is just purely serendipitous. Mm. But um, the way that this shook out is... Um, we uh we we left next week open for one of our first guest slots. Yeah. Our first guest slot of the season, our first guest slot since the the relaunch of the show, our first one mm. in several years. Um, Carson, do you want to know what we're doing next week? Even though you already know. Even though I already know. Uh, yeah, sure. Karen, we will me. be joined by um by YouTuber and a book editor and mm. all around like lovely online personality uh nicole fegan um who you can find on twitter at least at nick fegan n-i-c uh f-e-g-a-n i'm not sure if that's her youtube username because she just shows up under her name but anyway we put to her we're like what are some films that like you haven't seen that you feel like you should and uh she sent us a, a quick little list and we were like oh that's um an amazing little list yeah. four of these films are uh you should probably watch them but nicole yeah how have you not seen titanic, titanic. uh it is a titanic miss and i'm so excited to talk so about it. next week we'll be joined by nicole um mm-hmm. who has never seen the film titanic titanic which i mean uh i don't know I, not, there's not really any whales in Titanic, so I don't know if this is really like a like a mm. like thematic thing, but like Titanic is one of those like white whales on this show. Mm. Yes. Of just like when we've we've looked for guests, yeah. I've just been waiting for somebody to just be like, well, I've never seen Titanic. Yeah. Because Carson and I have both seen this film a hundred oh, yeah. thousand zillion times. Oh, yeah. And I've always wanted to talk about it. So good. 
And so, I mean, the other, the other films she sent us were like, we're, you know, we're, we're very good choices of films, but she sent us that list. And I'm just like, I'm just like, I'm sorry, like executive decision. Like we're doing Titanic. Like you just, you you can't, you can't have Titanic on the list and not end up doing Titanic. Yeah. Pull out the two VHSs, prepare yourself for a a three and a half hour viewing experience. Oh yeah. Get ready for, uh, I believe you'll have your headlines and a VHS one. That's go get your popcorn. They should have that in the Blu-ray. There should be an option you can turn on that's like, and we have the intermission. Like, yeah, yeah. There, there, there really good. should be an option where it just, it just like stops on the screen mm-hmm. of like, please insert VHS number two, and then there's a button that just says okay, and then when you click the <laughs> button, it moves on with the film. Uh, okay. Well, it's going to be, a, it's a, take your shot. We record these out of order. We already recorded. It. It's a great episode. It's going to be a good one next week yes Uh, i'm so excited oh yeah and uh we'll see you guys next week when we talk titanic